0: Welcome in to Bears Weekly, a Chicago Bears Network production. Download the Chicago Bears official app, brought to you by Verizon, to follow the team on the go. Bears Weekly is brought to you by Advocate Healthcare, Bet Rivers, CDW, Connie's Pizza, and Miller Lite. Now it's time for Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears, Jeff Joniak, on the new Bears Radio Network.
1: One week from tonight, it's the NFL Draft from Kansas City. Your Bears for the time being with the number nine pick in round one and options galore to ponder. We'll break it down here on ESPN Chicago and the Chicago Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Jeff Joniak with Super Bowl Bear Tom Thayer back with us and former Bears quarterback Jim Miller from SiriusXM NFL Radio's moving the chains. We're going to jump in, avoid the pleasantries out of the gate like we typically do because this man is super busy. And kind enough to join the draft conversation, uh, a man of many talents, but one of the premier NFL analysts out there uh, on NFL on CBS, calling Games, NFL Network, of course, certainly prominent during draft days, and Sirius XM NFL Radio a time or two as well. We welcome Charles Davis, the Tennessee Volunteer Safety from 83 to 86, an undrafted free agent of the 1987 Dallas Cowboys nobody ever talks about that aspect of your career you know you you did get a cup of coffee you you went to training camp with the Cowboys did you not and welcome thank you Charles
2: thank you so much awfully kind of you it's great to be on with all you guys this is pretty much this is a pleasure for me and a lot of fun and you know we're all busy you know we're all busy this time not just this time of year but all year long everyone's working everyone's doing things every time I Hear that one, you know, oh, you're so much more busy than anyone else. You know what I always think about? I always think about the movie um, Hoffa with Jack Nicholson. His pet expressions in there was, yeah, tell that to the working man. Yeah. <laughs> and let's be honest about it. The working man, the working woman, they think, they look at us and think we're in a toy store. And I totally get it, right? Absolutely. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, by the way, that cup of coffee with the Cowboys, decaf. <laughs> and it was really a spot of coffee, much less a cup.
1: You know, I went back. I'm an Iowa State grad, Charles. So <laughs> I remember when I was at Iowa State, we played Tennessee. The, the Cyclones played in, uh, in uh, Tennessee, but it was a year before, I think, you got there. And that was the only time Iowa State ever played Tennessee. We took was, you down that, to the wire, but we did not win, 1982.
2: That was, that was my first year there. I was a redshirt. Okay. And David Archer was your quarterback, if I remember correctly. 100% right. You had a tailback by the name of Harold Brown. Dwayne Dwayne Crutchfield. Yep, Gawain Crutchfield was yep. there. Harold Brown was around that time, I think, as well. And uh, you guys, you guys came in. That was a heck of a ball game. I remember being seven. I was seventeen years old at the time, and my eyes were as big as saucers at the idea that ninety-five thousand people were coming out to watch a football game. And all I kept thinking was. Those guys are really big and fast. Am I supposed to be here?
1: (laughs) Well, we're friends with David Archer now, uh, the Atlanta Falcons color analyst, and Tom Thayer, our color analyst. Also, if I'm not mistaken, big time, you have a story about Notre Dame going down there, right, at Tennessee?
3: Yeah, when I was at Notre Dame, we played Tennessee, the Reggie White, Willie Galt era. And I remember the people pulling up along that river in boats that are going to go inside the stadium. And didn't your, didn't your stands come right down to the field? Pretty close. Really close. Was, you remember it well,
2: Tom. Yeah, it was pretty darn close. You remember our, our people with the boats. We They're called the Volunteer Navy. <laughs> yes. They, they literally boat to the game, and when they dock, they get to a certain point and they they can literally walk to each other's boats and those are like their steps into the stadium so as they dock next to each other they go boat to boat <laughs> to come into the stadium and walk up and walk up to the stadium and watch the ball game god it, it was amazing and you know i had
3: the chance to play against reggie white in college in the usfl and the nfl and can't think of a just a better person and a better football player along the way, just, just tremendous. And then played in the hula bowl with Willie Galt and then oh. played with him with the bear. So I've, you know, had that Tennessee experience myself.
2: Well, we appreciate you being nice to us. Cause I know that uh, you gave Reggie all he could handle each yeah. time and, and Willie look when Willie came out, I got there as a freshman in 82. And Willie was part of, I believe the four by 100 NCAA champions. Right. In track and field. All four were Tennessee receivers. Oh my. <laughs> so, wow. so this this guy from New Pauls, New York, who thought he was fast, realized very quickly, you're not that fast. you find out in a hurry. You're not that fast, dude. You can't keep up with those cats. The wow. only
4: thing I can add to the conversation is I've got Charles B. All right. I think I've got the record for being a Dallas Cowboy. It was one day. They signed <laughs> me on a they signed me on a Tuesday at four o'clock. The next day, I'm suiting up. I'm putting on my shoulder pads, about to go out to the practice field. And Stephen Jones says, Jim, we need you to go back to the hotel. My dad's going to give you a call. Oh. And so his dad go back to the hotel. Jerry Jones, yes, yeah, Jared. So Jerry's on the other line. He said, Jim, we, we're we're going to have to make another roster change. This, isn't going to work out. I said, well, hey, you already got to pay me. I'm here for the week. You yeah. know? And he goes, what do you mean I got to pay? I said, yeah, you signed me on a Tuesday after 4 o'clock. today's the working day. (laughs) So I played for the Cowboys for a day
2: and yes, I did get my check for the week, but it was a, it was a brief cup of coffee. You know, what's what's funny about it is you knew the rule better than the people who were signing you (laughs) (laughs) and then they wanted to not pay you yet. At the same time, you realize they had to pay you. I gotta tell you, you, you did better than me because when they cut me, they knocked on the door of the place I was staying and said, hey, Davis, you went in there. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, uh, uh, Coach Landry wants to see you. See, I played, that was the last year of Tom Landry. Coach Landry wants to see you, and you know the next words, and bring your playbook. <laughs> and so I actually called my dad. My dad is a high school and college basketball coach, little small college, junior college, whole deal. So I called him before I even went and saw Coach Landry. And I said, Hey dad, now I've obviously no cell phones back then the whole day. I found the payphone. dad, dad. He goes, yeah. I said, uh, I think I'll be coming home probably later today. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, I think I'm getting cut. He goes, why do you think you're getting cut? I said, well, they told me to go see coach Landry. And he said, ah, oh, Hey, maybe he just wants to talk to you about some stuff and maybe give you some advice and the whole deal. I said, dad, they told me to bring my playbook. He goes, Oh, you're cut. <laughs> Man, <laughs> oh man, he was trying to be encouraging. But the universal and bring your playbook, mm. everyone knows it, even if you're not totally in it. But as soon as he heard it, I said, but, Dad, he told me to bring my playbook. I said, oh, you're cut. <laughs> I it and, and sympathy
3: went out oh, the window. Gosh. All right, let me know what flight you're coming in on, and I'll see you then. How was that getting cut by Tom Landry? What was the, what was the communication be- in that instance? This, Tom, this is where... The respect factor goes through the roof
2: because I don't know how everyone does it. I'd always been taught that the head coach handled cuts, right? The head coach would meet with you and tell you that you would be cut. And every team does it differently, so I'm not making a comment on that. But there's Tom Landry, right? The Tom Landry, his his last year as a head coach, he didn't know it. I didn't know it, but it's, it's, it's Tom Landry. And I go into his office, I'm thinking, Tom Landry's gonna cut me. Like, where does he get the time to cut a lowly, lowly kid like me? And I will tell you, there was another coach who the first day I got there, the entire time I was there, friendly to me, talked to me every day, the whole deal. When I came down the hallway to go get cut, he saw me, looked me in the eye, and turned his back on me. I will oh. never forget that. Absolutely. Not that he had to do it right. but don't, don't, don't do that. And I will hold that with me every for, for the rest of my life. I would love to say who it is because it's a name you would all recognize, but I'm not built that way. Anyway, yeah. I go into the office, I go into his office, sit down, and he goes, Yeah, hey, you remember that standard form they had? I don't know if you guys had to go through it. I did the standard form that says, you know, uh, you know, play not up to par or something yeah. like that. And he's like, yeah. you know, I know you're not gonna buy that, but that's what we have to write down. I said, Yeah my pride's like, yeah, I can, I can play coach. And he's like, well, yeah, I understand and whatever. And he goes, "Uh, just sorry, it didn't work out. He goes, what are you planning on doing? I said, well, coach, I don't know if anyone else can going to pick me up or what have you. I'm going to go back and finish grad school. He said, finish grad school. I said, yeah. He goes, you know something, that's right. I remember looking at your report. You played last year as a uh, first-year graduate student because you graduated in four and played, in, played your fifth year. I said, yes, sir. So I'm going to go back and finish grad school. He said, that's really good. He said, you make sure you finish grad school and go out and find out what the world has for you. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to be that kind. He didn't have to spend any time other than to tell me I was cut, but he did it the way you might think Tom Landry would do it. He did it with class. And the yeah. kicker to the story, Tom, was years later, I'm working for the United States Olympic Committee, and Tom Landry's coming to Colorado Springs to give a talk, and it's a dinner that I'm there and and, and whatever, and my friends are like, Didn't the Cowboys cut you? I said, yeah. Was it Coach Landry? He said, yeah, well, you need to go over and say something to I said, He's not going to remember me. So we roll over there. Hi, Coach Landry. My name is Charles Davis, blah, blah, blah. And I said, "Um, I'm one of of the the legions of guys that you cut during your time in Dallas. And all my friends are crowded around. And he breaks into this smile and he goes, probably one of the legions of mistakes I made, too. And I said, no. (laughs) I said, I'd love to say it was a mistake. But you didn't make mistakes like that, Coach. It's very nice to see, and he was very kind in the whole deal. And by the way, if anyone ever read the book The Last Cowboy
1: about Tom Landry, it's a
3: terrific read.
1: Charles Davis, great insight. Joining us here on Bears Weekly on ESPN Chicago, Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jim Miller. We just ate up 10 minutes and 40 seconds on the lives of three NFL players, past, present, and future.
2: Go ahead and add on to it, Jeff. I mean, just go ahead and extend the clock. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome, though, because, hey. Overtime is ten minutes in the NFL regular season. Now we're good.
1: Well, the beauty of this is, uh, and this is what I've always felt about it, and I just discussed this the other day uh, when we rolled out our new crew for our our new broadcast team here on ESPN Chicago. It was Lance Briggs, um, also Jason McKee, Robbie Gold was there as well. Tom was there. I was there, and uh, it's we're storytellers, yeah. and and the league is full of great stories, and. More stories are about to be written uh, starting on a week from tonight, uh, the first round of the draft. Uh, In a nutshell, what can we expect in that first round from your perspective? And let's focus on the top 10 because you pretty much can pencil in 15 guys that could be in the top 10. I think everybody's kind of universally looking at that, and the Bears are at number nine. What, What kind of drama maybe do you expect in the top 10?
2: Well, the old expression, expect the unexpected. Sometimes we can overuse that, but I think this might be one of those times. It's going to be very interesting because at one, we believe we know it's Bryce young, but you notice no one has signed anything. No one's saying anything. The league has gotten very good about guys. Don't forget this show is ratings. So there's no more of this. We're going to sign on the number one pick before the draft, like Mario Williams did. and, And that stuff's out the window. Leave the suspense out there. So Bryce Young, we think, will be one, but there's still that little bit of, hey, we have to find out. Two, we thought was chalk, that if Bryce Young went one to Carolina, we thought Houston was grabbing C.J. Stroud, the quarterback at Ohio State at two. But I think you guys have all heard the same thing, right? We have all had to call our fire department friends and ask for masks because the smoke is billowing right now coming out of Houston. Not going to take a quarterback. Open for business at two. Call us, we might trade. Take a defender. Oh, not just a defender. Forget Will Anderson, who might have been the number one pick in the draft last year from Alabama. We're thinking about Tyree Wilson, the pass rusher from Texas Tech. That's where it starts. And that's where it's going to be interesting because based off of what they do, now, Arizona, we know, at least I should say, we firmly believe Arizona is open for business at three. They are their roster is such that the more picks they can get, the more bodies they can get, the better off they are. If they can, if they're able to get out of three, is anyone coming up for a quarterback? And if so, who's that quarterback? If they can't get out, are who are they taking at three? What if Houston takes Tyree Wilson at two because it seems like the rumors are pretty hot and heavy. Tyree Wilson is in, in play big. Arizona, even with a brand new GM, who you would think would say my first pick, I'm going for the safe guy, which is Will Anderson. Now we go ahead and get to Ford. That's Indianapolis. How much did we enjoy Jim Mercer's tweet the other day? <laughs> well, we may take quarterback. We may not. We may trade out trade of out it. We may not. We may do this. We may not. I wish he had done it in front of his jet with the engines (laughs) worrying he did last year when he apologized for the playoff loss. That would have been even more fun. In other words, he's just sitting there having a ball. But if that's not a quarterback, I think we're all going to be stunned. Indianapolis not taking one there. And then we get to Seattle at five, Detroit at six, Las Vegas at seven. It becomes a lot of fun. And by the way, there's another hot rumor about Tennessee with a brand-new GM named Rand Carthon, who came from San Francisco. Do they want to move up and take a quarterback? Or is Trey Lanson play from San Francisco right now? So draft night's going to be a lot of fun because, don't forget, we still haven't resolved Aaron Rodgers in the Jets. And I don't think it's going to be resolved during the draft. I think it goes into June. But now there's all this talk about, well, it may not ever get resolved and someone else might be in play for Aaron Rodgers. So are we having fun yet? I I <laughs> well, shut up here. Are we having a good time yet? Yeah. Well, it's interesting, you know, because Jalen Carter, the, the
4: talented defensive tackle, is another topic. You know, Drew Rosenhaus not going to come out and say he's not dropping below 10 unless he's got insurances by Philadelphia that if he does go to 10, they're probably taking him. I know of another team in the top 10, when they were at his pro day workout, they said, I never want to see his face again. So, (laughs) so, you know, so some teams do love him to Charles and some teams, he is not getting selected in that top 10 by, I know uh, specifically one team.
2: Jim, I love that story because for you, for Tom, for Jeff, having gone through this and seen it, up close and personal, you guys know these stories are real. Like you yeah. know more than the public knows. You've talked with people who have said it. Let me just tell you about this guy. <laughs> and, and and you're just and you're flabbergasted sometimes. Jalen Carter, if the if if Chicago's not trading out of the first pick, how many of us said the first pick in the draft was going to be Jalen Carter before yeah. everything started? Right. Then we get to the combine. And Jalen Carter's about to go to the podium and talk to the media. And all of a sudden, what's the word? What my, my English teacher used years ago, a (laughs) and Jalen Carter's not there Whoosh! like a magician. He's gone because he's got to go back to Athens and handle these charges that have now been brought against him from that tragedy where two people lost their lives. Was he drag racing? Was he doing this? Was he doing that? All of a sudden he's gone And then he's back, but he's not participating. And then his pro day, he weighs more and he can't finish drills. This is how good Jalen Carter is. He's so good that all of this has happened and he's still not getting out of the top 10. Someone's taking him. In my opinion, I think Philadelphia is the bottom. He actually fits their locker room culture. They feel is good. I've got a surprise one, I don't know if it's a surprise, but Detroit we never talk about as a perennial playoff team because they're not. But I think in two years, Brad Holmes, the GM, Dan Campbell, the head coach, have built a culture there that actually is really good in a very short amount of time. Jalen Carter fits their culture well. Five, Seattle, Pete Carroll. Well, you know, Coachy, this guy might be a little bit of a, a bit of an issue. He might be a little bit of a problem. Has Pete Carroll ever? Is that ever phased him? Never. No. So there's another spot that's potential for him. That's why, depending on who it is for you, Jim, and obviously I'm not asking who said they never want to see his face. Whoever is that? Okay, so now now there's nine teams up there. Yeah. One of them, in my opinion, is going to take Jalen Carter
3: in the top ten. Agreed. So Charles, I have a long-winded question for you. When I, when I came out of college, I went to three different combines. So they had one in Tampa, one in Detroit, and one in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And then they had a thing recently announced by the NBA in 2024. If you're a draft-eligible player, you're required to go through the combine. So not, then there's been extra talk that maybe the NFL doesn't need a combine. Mm-hmm. And I go and I read your mock draft. Could you formulate the plan, could you formulate the opinion on these players if we weren't all kind of um, blessed by having the Combine to get an eyes-on approach to evaluating these players? Tom, we could form it, but it feels incomplete.
2: You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we can form the opinion because we've got game tape, all right? We've watched them play. We can plug that in. But now without a Combine, you don't have medical That's one thing. You don't have apples to apples running the same drills and seeing body types next to each other. Mm -hmm. You have all these things that, depending on who you are as a scout and as an evaluator, is important to you. You know, for some people, this is important. For other people, that's important. But it's not standing there next to each other, seeing each other, seeing how guys interact, who's an alpha, this thing, right? Who's just a follower? You know all the things that go into all that, Tom. You're around it. As an offensive lineman, is there any group that has to be more cohesive and rely on each other and where you're just giving a look to each other and you know what that means? Because they're the best. I still remember years ago reading one of my favorite articles, and I wish I could find it again. A man spent some time with the St. Louis Cardinals. Okay, this is how far back it goes. The St. Louis Cardinals. Tom, huh. This is Dan Dierdorf, uh, Bob Young, Conrad Dobler, oh boy. <laughs> that offensive line. Right. And a couple things at the end of it, and it's real quick here. They had spent so much time, and their cohesion was so good back when we weren't having free agency every year, right? That line stayed together, and they were good football. Do you remember how good they were? They're right. a, in the East every year. They did everything by position unconsciously. And what he meant was, if they gathered together for a dining hall meal, unconsciously the center would be in the middle, the guards would flank and the tackles would flank him. <laughs> I they walked out to practice as a group, they were in a jumble. And before they got to the field, they had unconsciously formed their offensive line and ran out together like that. He says the most amazing thing he had seen, that's what you're looking for. And when you go to a combine, you want to see – If there is anything where all of a sudden there is some cohesion there, or you want to find out from the people that knew before. Did this guy, was he the glue guy for his team that created that sort of a thing? That's why I think the combine is important for the, for, for all of us who are evaluating. Can we do it? Sure. We didn't have one in 2020 because of COVID. And yet we still had a draft and we went on and did it. Can you get more information with a combine? And my humble opinion, the answer is absolutely yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Now,
2: the team visits are going to be the interesting part. How many times do you have to work out for people because you worry about injury? Remember Sidney Jones, the corner out of Washington? Yeah. He was yeah. supposed to be a lock first rounder, if you remember. Towards Achilles, I think. Towards Achilles, but you remember how, what he, how that the circumstances? No, he, I he don't. Went through the full workout. This wasn't combine. Combine then pro day. Yeah, okay. Gone through the full workout, and someone asked for one more play. That's not unusual. Yeah. But I'm on the one more plays when he tore his Achilles.
1: Yeah. Changed the course of his career. Can we borrow you for? Five more minutes after Absolutely. a commercial break, so we can talk about the Bears and the number nine pick, Charles Davis, Jim Miller, Tom there Jeff Joniak. This is Bears Weekly on ESPN Chicago and the Chicago Bears Radio Network. This
0: is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for twenty-three years, Jeff Joniak, on the Bears Radio Network.
1: Back with you on Bears Weekly, kind enough to uh, hang with us a little longer, Charles Davis. From everywhere in the NFL on CBS, NFL Network is uh work on the different platforms for the league. Let's focus on the Bears here. What do you see them doing at nine if they keep the pick? Let's because I know you did your mock draft with that in mind. No deals. You just went boom, 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 boom. Uh so let's let's focus on that and then what you think of uh what the Bears need at this point.
2: I'm trying to remember now. Help me out. My first one, if I'm not mistaken, I think Peter Skaronsky was the pick.
1: And your second one. And my second, would I have Peter again? Yes. Okay,
2: so I kept him there, but Jalen Carter was in play at one point, which I found – I think my first one was Jalen Carter because my my thing was if Chicago never traded the pick, prior to all the things going crazy, Jalen Carter looked like the number one guy in the draft. He could go to Chicago, Matt Eberflew, and the whole deal, get your defense going. But now with everything going crazy, they traded back – How interesting is it that that guy might still be there for them? So he would be in play, although I'm getting the sense he won't even get to nine. That's just just my sense. Peter Skaronsky, the offensive lineman, tackle, guard. I'm going to let the experts figure it out. Tom, I'm going to let you tell me a little bit more about that part of it because the arm length keeps coming into play. And I'm one of those that a little bit on the outside, like, yeah, but if he can play, he can play. But his arm length is so short that there's never been anyone who's been significant at left tackle with an arm length that short. His are shorter than like a Justin Pugh who had to move inside to guard, things of that nature. So that's going to be the interesting thing with him. But my goodness, is he a good football player in my mind? I mean, I just watch him, and he's technically proficient. And I don't know who's coaching the offensive line Northwestern, but I want them coaching my kids, okay? Because Rashawn Slater, Peter Skaranski, it is working really, really well. The other part of this is – I don't think there's a place Chicago can go wrong picking someone because the roster needs a little bit of help everywhere. Here's one of the wild ones. You've got runners. You've got Khalil Herbert. You've got Deontay Foreman that you signed. But another way to help a young quarterback is to have that runner just choose it up. And Bijan Robinson's going to be there, and he's a top 10 talent. I wonder if that if they're going through that permutation with Ryan Poles and the rest of the staff in Chicago at Lake Forest to talk about does this fit, because guess what? Atlanta's talking about it now, sitting at 8, Chicago at 9. Detroit would love for him to get down to 18 with their second pick. I don't know if he gets there. New England could certainly use him at 14. I mean, this guy is a heck of a football player, and I know we devalue runners. I'm not crazy about devaluing really good ones because they can change the face of what you do.
4: Last question for me, because it's uh, your area expertise. What, what corner do you have the highest? Do you like Gonzalez from Oregon more than you like Witherspoon? And obviously branch is just, he's terrific as a, as a nickelback. Where, where do you sit? Cause those guys seem to be slated to go pretty high.
2: They do. And, and Jim branch running four five eight. five, eight. Mm-hmm has changed people's opinions somewhat in terms yeah. of, you know, that to me now he is a nickel corner, nickel safety. And at four or five, eight, he might play more safety. And that's okay. Cause he's a heck of a football player. I think he's going to go in the twenties. Okay. I think somewhere we start talking Minnesota 23, right in that area, Cincinnati could utilize him, et cetera. I have Gonzalez higher because I'm about the coverage. I know people have dinged him for his tackling. He's a cut he's a cut tackler. he's an ankle biter. he's this, he's that. He gets people on the ground. okay? The way game's built, blowing people up isn't what it used to be. Witherspoon will throw his body around and strike you like nobody's business. and he's just kept developing from a guy who was 150 something pounds when he got to the University of Illinois. I think he's at 181. The one concern I have is he plays with such abandon. You guys remember Kevin Johnson coming out of Wake Forest a few years ago, went to Houston, just never could stay fully healthy. And it reminds me a little bit of an undersized safety who changed the course of a season for Indianapolis named Bob Sanders. Because Bullet Bob, you talk about giving your body to the game. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: He gave his body to the game and won Indianapolis a Super Bowl because remember late in the season when he was out and Jacksonville still running, but they run for 377? Right He made it back for the playoffs, and that run defense got shored up, and now Indy had a chance again. Those are the types of play. That's the type of player Will Witherspoon is. He's going to throw it around and strike you, and he's a heck of a player.
3: I've got Gonzalez a little higher because I think he's a little bit better cover guy. Well, I just wanted one short answer from you, Charles. So the defensive tackle from Pitt, Yeah, I was probably the most wrong on a draft choice I've ever been in my life is on Aaron Donald. So did Aaron Donald save this guy because of what he's been able to accomplish, or is he deserving of the spot and the talent he's known for? Tom, I think it's both places, but it's much more
2: the way guys are utilized now. He will actually be, it's going to be strange. I think in the beginning of his career, because of his size, Tom, he'll be a designated pass rusher as a defensive tackle. Right. (laughs) Right, And, And most time we're saying designated pass rush, an edge guy because he doesn't have the weight, he doesn't have this, doesn't have that. I think that's how he will start. I don't think he'll be the type of player that can continue to lose weight like Aaron Donald and still be as effective. I think he's going to have to go the other way and still be effective. Right. Oh, time off the ball, all those things, it's all there. And again, I'm looking at him and you know, projections are all over the place. I start with him somewhere around late teens, early 20s, when I'm starting to think about Kalijah Kansi, although I did mock him to the Jets at 13 at one point. So depending on who you are and what your flavor is, if you've got enough people already, you can bring him in and, and get him going as a, with a plan. He could go well, he could go a little bit higher, Tom, kind of like remember Alden Smith coming out, right? You had a plan in San Francisco, DPR, he had what 15 and a half sacks his first year while they put weight on him and got him bigger and went from there. I think Kansi will be a similar situation.
1: All right, we have two minutes and my last question. Again, thank you for joining us. Uh, many people say, okay, you got to do everything you can to help Justin Fields. So how do you balance a draft? Do you, are you of the belief you pour all your resources into one side of the ball or do you balance it out because the defense was very poor last year and personnel-wise they, they do need upgrades?
2: You help him. You help him in every area, Jeff. I mean, you help that young quarterback by making your defense better. Like if your defense is better, guess what? He's not chasing. And if a young quarterback's chasing, I've got Jim Miller here who can tell us everything we need to know about quarterbacking. But my opinion and my time frame is if I got a young quarterback all the time chasing other people, that's not going to go well for him. And that's not good for his development. Because now he's playing a lot more street ball than he is playing quarterback. And we don't need that out of him. But if you got a good defense, that takes care of business and helps out. He can go out there and actually run offense and that makes him better right away. So that's where I am, Jeff, especially with a head coach like Eberflow because I've known Matt since he got his first coordinator's job at the university of Missouri. And he was like 12 years old then. Okay? <laughs> so he's done a phenomenal job. And the one quote that always sticks with me with him in Indianapolis, we are going to lead the league in effort on that side of the ball. That's where he's going with the
1: Chicago defense. And that culture has been established as they enter into year two. Have a great time in Kansas City or wherever you may be for draft coverage. We love it. Uh, appreciate all the time. Love to have you on again. We love the way you break things down and love the stories. Charles, thank Anytime.
2: you. Hanging out with you guys is a blast. I mean, for this doesn't even feel like a show. It just feels like
1: we're hanging out somewhere. That's so, the point of it. Together. I'm coming to Chicago, and I'm hanging out with you. You got it. We'll <laughs> have Thanks, Miller Charles. by dinner. Charles, How about that? Thanks, guys. We're going to take a break here on Bears Weekly. When we come back, we'll start talking about the running back class here in 2023. This is ESPN Chicago and the Chicago Bears Radio Network.
0: This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network.
1: Back with you on Bears Weekly. Jeff Jonagak, Tom Thayer, and former Bears quarterback Jim Miller from SiriusXM moving the chains. Thanks to our executive producer of Bears Radio Network, Eric Ostrowski, our producer tonight at the ESPN Chicago studios, Charlie Bevins, and Bears producers Dan Brilly and Jordan Treadup. All right, so a lot going on. Charles was amazing. We could talk to him for a whole hour. Love his insight. Love his uh, thought process. I'm going to start with you, Tom, right away, because he he, he really didn't get a chance to answer the whole Peter Skoronsti thing. So... From a leadership point of view, technique, fundamentals, talent, love the player, local product on top of it, um, well-schooled, four-year player, a lot of things going on with Peter Skaronski. So the idea of him potentially being a guard versus a tackle based on 32 and a quarter inch arm length, I know this is a hot button topic for you, but it is being talked about not just him, but other players. Where are you at?
3: Uh, Well, I always say it. If a scout brings up arm length for his first evaluation of an offensive lineman, then I don't want any opinion from that scout. Because if you're not telling me about what his feet can accomplish in terms of right side, left side, offensive guard to offensive tackle, if you have a guy that has the feet to play offensive tackle with balance and power, I don't care what length of arms he's got. And again, I revert back to Jimbo Cover. Didn't have the longest of arms. It's how you use the power within the length of your arms, Jeff, because you and I have been around this team for a long time, and Jim has been in the NFL his whole life you can see a lot of guys that have really long arms, but they can't use them powerfully. And so what they do is they get in front of a defensive end and then they get their arms crumbled and then they don't have the feet to recover back into a powerful position. When you look at Skoronsky in the way he uses his fame framework, balance and power from his feet to the length of his arms, he can do everything he needs to do to get the job done. So, Again, I I get frustrated when people talk about arm length because you can have the longest arms in the world. If you have the slowest feet in the world, you're not going to be able to play offensive tackle.
1: So to me, Skaronsky's measurement is feet more than arm length. Jim, a lot of folks are talking about this topic in relation to Zach Martin. Dallas Cowboys easily could have played tackle, became a guard, probably going to Hall of Fame. Uh, Do you care where Skaronsky plays if he's the Bears ninth pick overall because there's going to be a question in again against about guard value and everything at the top 10.
4: Yeah no I think it you know that's what adds players values they have position flexibility you know I, I'm with Tom I, I played with Matt Light you know Matt Light in New England he did not have the longest arms but he had incredible feet like like you know we we played uh, Dwight Freeney Pretty much every postseason, because obviously that was a big matchup, Colts versus uh, the New England Patriots. And Matt Light, yeah, everybody was in his ear every, before the night, before every game, man, you got a big challenge, you know, that's Dwight Freeney over there. The guy shut him down. He shut him down. His spin move, the speed, because he had the feet in order to uh, to adjust and recover and all the things that, that Tom's uh, talking about. So I think, you know, you, you start Skaransky out at tackle and you see if he can handle it. If he handles it, you just keep him there. If not, you kick him into guard. And that's what seems to be a lot of what a lot of teams do these days. There's a lot of guys that now look at Juwan Taylor, who everybody thought was going to be a right tackle his whole career. What is Kansas City doing? They're flipping him over to love tackle. So, you know, I think you, you just, you got to understand offensive lineman, Andy Reid. obviously being a former offensive lineman seems to have a good understanding of what guys can and cannot do. And they drafted, uh, uh who was it? Uh, Njokis Yang a, a few years ago, and they've had him at both right and left tackle and kicked him into guard. Uh, So I think it's about the versatility, and they're going to find a spot for you no matter how it
1: shakes out. Now you're trying to get the best five. At at the end of the day, you're trying to get the best five guys and and go for it. Now, that's not the only uh, prospect that could be there at number nine, and we are going to talk about running backs and wide receivers in tonight's show. But uh, while we're on the topic, let's just uh, get Tom's opinion because we haven't talked to him in so many weeks here. Uh, Darnell Wright is intriguing to me. Uh, from Tennessee, Broderick Jones from Georgia, and, of course, Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. What are your thoughts on uh, those three? Uh, have, you, have you studied it at all and what your thoughts are?
3: You know, I, I like all of them, but I like Darnell Wright because I like his versatility. I like the fact that he can go from guard to tackle. He can go from right tackle to left tackle, left tackle to the right tackle, you know, within a within a play's notice. I like the experiences he's had against the competition that he's played against. Um, I like the fact that he's gotten better throughout his rep game reps that he's had throughout his career. And I you know, I listen, I like Paris Jr. out of Ohio State. I think he's a, a super intelligent guy. He's got a good background. I think he's a, a dedicated, intelligent athlete. But you know, one thing about Chris Morgan in last year and he was faced with trying to fit in the players that could play the position the best. And I think if you could give him a player like Wright, he could figure that out within the times of OTAs, like he did last year with Braxton Jones, make sure that he's inserted in the position that he can help the Bears the most immediately the best, and then make that decision.
1: And I'm in the camp right now of just, uh, depending on what they do, obviously, but it makes a little more sense for me right now if Braxton Jones gets uh, stronger as he's already working in that weight room even at left tackle until further notice, and let's see, and let's roll with it. All right, when we come back, we'll start breaking down running backs in the NFL draft coming up a week from tonight, Thursday, as we get ready for round one with Jim Miller top there, Jeff Joniak here on ESPN, and the Chicago Bears radio network. This is
0: Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears radio network.
1: Dale Herbert, Deontay Foreman, Travis Homer, Kari Blasingame, Trusted Emner, your backs right now on the Bears roster. Welcome back to Bears Weekly with Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, Jeff Joniak with you. Uh, Big Jim, let's start uh, on the running back class. There are so many, and it is going to go deep into this draft. You're talking about third, fourth, fifth round, sixth round, potentially as well, that you could possibly get somebody to help out your roster. I don't know if the Bears are interested, but if they are, they got all a bunch of shapes and sizes in this draft. Anybody getting your attention? I know at the, at the Senior Bowl, we had a bunch of guys on this list that really got our attention. Chase Brown of Illinois, Tajay Spears of Tulane, two that stick out for me.
4: Yeah, I think uh, when you look at the guys who really stood out as Tajay Spears down at Tulane, this guy's got home run ability. You know, where the Bears select in the first round, I don't disagree with Charles. You know, you do have to realistically take a look at B. Sean Robinson. I mean, he is the most talented running back uh, in this draft class. Many think that he will be wearing a gold jacket, so I don't think you can take that lightly. That oh, Bears don't need a running back; just pass that over. So I think that's a consideration, and I'm with you. I think the guy who's really under the radar for everybody is Re- Israel Abanaconda from uh, Pitt. This guy legitimately ran a four-three and had a 41 and a half uh, a vertical jump and was over 10. In his broad jump, this is a very explosive player. A lot of teams have visited him, and he's been shooting up the the draft boards. Is a bigger back who can pound it, but yet that force 3 speed suggests he can take it to the house. So he's 5'11", 215 pounds, and I know a lot of teams uh, were really blown away on why he's visited a lot of teams leading up to the draft. And
1: you got to like anybody, Tom Thayer, who uh, started football at the age of four, but he had his own personal trainer for that prospect, at seven years old, he was already in the gym. Uh, his father put him in there. Uh, but uh, this guy's from Brooklyn, New York, and he's all kind of tough. But yeah, I'm dude. with Jim if, you know, B. John Robinson is so tantalizing. Ugh. So love that
3: guy. You know what? The running backs, thats they've they become the new offensive guard. Because they used to say about offensive guards, oh, you can get a guard anywhere and just plug him in there. And that's the kind of the way that the running back position has gone. John Robinson, love that guy. Jeff and I were talking about him early in the college season, how talented of a runner this guy is. The, the So I don't want to say his, his last name, the Texas A&M. Devon, is it a chain? A-shane. 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 I like him because, you know, he plays with instincts. He's fast. He's quick. He's got good balance. He's got good balance after contact. And it's kind of funny in the pro football focus, um, top 150, a running back doesn't come in until 27. And that's Bijan Robinson. And then it goes all the way down to 50. So it's kind of strange that it's not almost a lack of respect for the importance of the position. But if you're great, You're still not going to be the Eric Dickerson and the guys that were coming out that were bona fide first pick in the draft type of guys. Now you got to, you know, go down the list. I know Charles Davis had a listed Robinson going 18 to the Detroit Lions. I don't want to see that. You think of Montgomery and Robinson and a one two punch there. That's some explosive running back players. But, you know, for the Bears, with their style of play, that can complement Justin Fields in this offense the best. I think there's a selection of guys um, that that they can look for.
1: Jim, that uh, that player's different too. You know, he is he is five eight and a half, but the unique speed of four three two yep. forty that's that's elite. Uh, but also, he's tough enough that he he took some gunner reps over there yep. at Texas A and M. Uh, number one in all-purpose yards in the SEC, 161 a game this past season. Right. Uh, that You're talking about when you're, if you have guys you like on your roster, yeah. but you want to have something a little different, another type of playmaker, that's somebody that possibly you keep an eye on right there. Anybody else grab your attention, Jim?
4: Well, I, I just think for For, for backs,
1: the Bears, for the
4: Bears. Yeah, for the Bears. Well, that's why I brought up a Bonaconda, because unlike a chain, uh, you know, a chain is only 185 pounds now. Yeah. 185. Is he going to be durable enough to, to hold up? And that's why I bring up a Bonaconda uh, from Pitt, because he's 215 pounds. He broke Tony Dorsett's rushing record. All right, let's just factor that in there. And he's got a home run ability for that big of a back that he's got four, three speed. So it's, it's all there. And I think you, you've got all kinds of running backs like Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. Yeah. A lot of people like him because he's to me, he's a lot like James Conner, another pit player, but Charbonnet out of UCLA, you know, he's skilled in the, the, the open offense under Chip Kelly was at Michigan. He transfers out to UCLA. He catches a lot of footballs for a big guy and seems to have the moves. And like I said, compare him to James Conner. Remember when Conner and Arizona Cardinals came into Chicago and he was like a one-man wrecking crew uh, with what he was able to do. So there are all kinds of backs that I think the the Bears should be interested in. And if they're going to run this power-style offense, I would gear it towards the bigger backs.
1: Number one rushing attack in the NFL last season. He's six feet plus 214. And what I love about him as well, great football character, uh, a two-year starter in a diverse scheme, a Michigan transfer, Zach Charbonnet and the Bears reportedly had a top 30 visit with him. A year ago, none of their top 30 visits were selected by the Bears. So something to think about as well when you see and hear all these names. When we come back, we'll start breaking down another group. And this is going to take some time. The wide receivers, there are plenty of them in the draft. With Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, I'm Jeff Joniak here on Bears Weekly on the Bears Radio Network. This is
0: Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network.
1: Final segment on Bears Weekly. Glad to have Tom. Where you been, buddy? Where you been? Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, Jim Miller. Glad to have you back in the stable, my friend.
3: I've been doing housework, Jeff. Yes. And I've been- kind of tools that my dad would never let me use when he was alive because I was a blooming idiot or a dunderhead who would have cut my thumb off. So I finally got access and use some of my dad's tools. Well, it
1: feels like a comfortable old shoe, Jim, to have the big fella back in the saddle. All right. I promised receivers here on a final segment. We don't have enough time to go through them all because again, all shapes and sizes and types and speeds But Doug Farrar, who does a lot of NFL work, he wrote uh, this morning, quarterbacks dropped a throw 21,323 times last season and deployed a three-wide alignment 73% of the time. That means the tight end's in there as well. So basically double slots, and a a lot of guys fit that category. You have D.J. Moore, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, Equiminius St. Brown, Bayless Jones, Dante Pettis, and some others on the roster as we speak. We'll start with Jim, a Bears type receiver that would complement and fight for that ladder of who's going to be the one, two, three, four receiver in this group. Anybody circled on this long list of receivers from your eyes?
4: Well, I think there's a a lot of good players. One, the player, obviously, Jackson Smith and Jigba is getting the most love, but I I just don't think he's got the speed. He's more of a possession receiver. I like other explosive players like a Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. The guy, when you turn on the tape, he looks like Deshaun Jackson. You know, with what his explosive ability is. He scored 15 touchdowns last year uh, for the Volunteers. Another guy who I watched who I, I think is going to be rated real high is Zay Flowers out of Boston College. To me, he re- reminds me of Deion Branch. He just makes play after play, very explosive player. And obviously, Deion Branch, he was Super Bowl 39, uh MVP. Joshua Downs out of uh, the wide receiver from North Carolina, He's got bloodlines, and he just makes play after play. He hasn't visited with any team because he checks all the boxes. They know he's such a solid character individual. He's already answered every question about his character and his play with his with his uh, tape and what you watch. But to me, I think the Bears are set on the bigger receivers. When you look at Chase Claypool, Velas Jones is obviously a big guy, and getting DJ Moore was huge. Now get him more more of an explosive guy that can really get it with his route running to me like a Zay Flowers or the guys I just mentioned.
1: Tom, as I look at this, I'm hoping with the first four picks, the Bears wind up with three guys on the line of scrimmage. Again, I don't care what side of the ball, edge rusher, three technique, uh, offensive tackle, offensive guard, and then a cornerback. So you're thinking that if you're going to add receivers, it's going to be mid to late rounds in the draft. So that's kind of how you have to evaluate this. And Again, reportedly, top thirty visits from a number of players that could be in that category. Are, are you in line with Jim that you want somebody that's a little on the agility, change of direction, threaten people with their speed type of player to add to this group?
3: Rasheed Rice, SMU.
1: Okay. If you look at it, if
3: you look at a receiver that has body control he's he understands what type of position to get in in terms of the conclusion of the route where the defensive back is and then how to be a target to Justin because throughout the development process with a young receiver is going to get involved in this offense he has to understand the terminology the Luke Getze philosophy and then be develop that partnership with uh with Justin Isaiah Flowers, look, I like that guy. I, I think he could be special. He separates from defensive back. He becomes an open target downfield, and I think we'd like to see the explosiveness of what Justin's arm capabilities are. So, you know, are, am I tied to that guy right now? That's six five. No, I would like to see uh, the bringing this element of, of special speed to this offense where there is safety. Defensive back, backpedal concern. So it does open up that middle front area for Cole Komet and the rest of the tight ends, and even, you know, passes out of the backfield.
1: Well, Rice is certainly a tremendous athlete. He's got a 41 vertical, runs a 4 or 5, but a three year starter from slot to the outside, and as a senior, working that power spread. Uh, I'm also looking for a guy that is going to be a, a potential punt returner. To compete for that job or a kick returner for that job as well, Jim. Can we package something like that in these receivers? I don't know who else Thanks can
3: sign Dante Pettis. That's I know the best punter that's been on the field in the last.
1: Many years. I did say compete with. I want as yes. much competition as possible, Jim. What do you think? You got yeah, one minute to these, go. One minute to go.
3: Sure, a lot of
4: these guys have punt return abilities, say like a Jaden Reed from Michigan State. That's, you know, he really excelled at that in his career and was the player of the week in terms of being the best all-around receiver at the Reese's Senior Bowl. So, I'm with you. There's going to be plenty of those guys available later in the draft.
1: I right, grew up on the West Side and went to high school in Naperville. Local product. And, of course, we got Valus Jones as a potential in that regard as well. Fast moving show, fellas. Thank you so much for the time. We'll talk to you next week. The night before the draft, Jimmy will be in Kansas City. Tom and I will be here in Chicago. So you'll set the scene for us, Big Jim.
4: Okay, looking forward to
1: it. Thanks again to Charles Davis and our entire crew. We thank our producer, Charlie Bevins, Dan Barilli, Jordan Treadup, and Eric Ostrowski. That'll do it for us here on ESPN Chicago. We'll talk to you next week. Stay tuned. NBA playoff basketball just ahead. Game three in the East with Philadelphia up to zip on the Brooklyn Nets. That'll do it for us. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Chicago Bears Network presentation of
0: Bears Weekly. Podcasts are available on the Chicago Bears official app. Brought to you by Ver- horizon and apple podcasts bears weekly has been brought to you by Bet rivers and miller light